This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week Podcast. My name's James Manning. I'm the editor of Media Week. I'm coming to you this week from the UK. I'm uh, experimenting with working remotely for a few weeks this June. Um, so far, so good. I'm going to put uh, Andrew Mercado will be on the line. He's just had a relatively busy long weekend at the uh, Southwest Roxy. He's the cinema he operates in on the coast of northern New South Wales. We start off our chat today. Andrew is talking a little bit about the Foxtel rebrand and their new offer. I've been on having a look at it, and I tell you what, I much prefer their new layout. Uh, their, their new layout, I mean, it does look like everybody else now, but I, I do find any sort of layout, whether it's Stan or Netflix or anything like, any sort of layout where they try to put um, certain shows in big boxes and other things in little boxes, I, I just find that really hard to navigate. So Foxtel Play now just sort of, uh, kind of, I guess, in some ways, copies uh, what a lot of the other streaming services does and uh, groups shows in similar genres. And it's just cleaner and and I think it's now easier to navigate. Yeah, look, the... Um, they, they was no... It was, it was sort of a relaunch without a lot of news, wasn't it, last week? I mean, they, they're... I got sucked in. I thought it was a new price level, but it was actually the same price they announced first last December, where you can get on for just $10 now, and then you can add some other packages to, to build up if you just go on as a streaming customer. So there was no real new price reveal. There was no real content announced this week either, apart from maybe a commitment to continue spending on um, on Aussie dramas. They had some of the stars of the forthcoming picnic at Hanging Rock, but we've known about that for a long time. They had Lily Sullivan, um, Madeline Madden and Ruby Rees. There was no Natalie Dormer at the launch, but I think she's probably finished her work and she's moved on to maybe got a promo um, Game of Thrones uh, globally before that new season starts. So there wasn't a terrible lot of news in that relaunch during the week. Oh, I agree with you. They had that huge, huge function and the red carpet. And, I mean, the most interesting story of all the stars who uh, were on the red carpet was, and I picked it up from the official press release, that uh, as far as the Real Housewives of Sydney go, Lisa Oldfield and Athena X were not invited. And, I mean, you and I both saw those media reports where uh, Foxtel boss Brian Walsh said that he's having trouble selling the show to the Americans. They actually think it's too nasty. Mm. And Brian said that, you know, in particular, he thought that Lisa Oldfield and Athena X had an agenda and he was shocked at some of the language. And I agree with him. Those two women really went too far in that show. I wrote that for your very site. And I tell you what, when Brian Walsh says that about you in the newspaper, (laughs) uh, history, baby. (laughs) Yeah, they did not get invited to the big party. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, you've you've got to imagine that um, Sydney show would be back then because you know, look, it, it did create a lot of press, which is one of the the challenges Foxtel have is getting their shows up on the up on the radar as much as the uh, free to air networks. Look, just um, I, I'm still I still think the Foxtel offer is a little bit 
I don't know, can I say it's still a little bit confusing, a little bit complicated for, for people who haven't been there before? I mean, if you've been on and off a Foxtel subscriber, you, you sort of get it. But but to get there, they really want to get their penetration up above 30%. That was... Um, Peter Tonner, that was one of the things he told Media Week in our interview, which is in the current magazine. He said, look, we've really got to, you know, we've really got to drive this, this um, our audience number, our subscriber numbers up. He said they've got a huge um, fixed cost base, and the only way they can really improve on that is um, lifting their revenue through subscribers. Um, so there's still, you know, you've, there's all the different packs. There's different costs if you're going on as a streaming customer. There's different costs if you're going on as a satellite or cable customer i think the cheapest for um cable or satellite customers is 26 dollars a month but then that's only on a 12 month plan and that includes about 100 bucks for installation and uh, maybe a little bit over 100 bucks for the equipment um as i say different package different cost structures if you're going on as a streaming customer and look all those different packages that the packs there's uh, lifestyle doco and kids they're all ten dollars there's drama or pop which are each fifteen dollars you can get both of them for 25 then there's movies for 20 bucks or sports for 29 but wait you've got to get one of the starter packs first if you want to get movies or sports so i don't know it's just it's just i know it's just difficult isn't it I agree with you. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on here, and it is extremely confusing. And uh, I was pre-recording an interview for A Current Affair about it, and they said to me the day after the announcement, look, we're going to send a cameraman to come see you. Could you do this? And I said, yes. And they sent me through a few questions, and then I sat down and read the Foxtel general announcement, and then I read the way it had been written up all around the place, and I was still no clearer as to what was really going on. I couldn't figure out what was the real difference point between this and Foxtel Play. And so in absolute desperation, I rang Foxtel and asked for uh, somebody to talk to talk me through it, and the receptionist was very lovely, and she said, yes, 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 we'll uh, uh, get someone to call you back. I gave them my name. I told them what it was for. I said, I'm doing a TV interview in the morning. I need to get some details clarified. Guess what, James? Mm -hmm. They rang back the next day after I'd done that TV interview. I'm <laughs> sorry, that is not good enough. Yeah, yeah, look, um, I, I mean, Foxtel is sort of well aware of the problem, but um, I just don't think they've, you know, they've, I just got a feeling this isn't going to be the solution. Look, I, I like the rebrand, I like the new logo, that's great, give that all a refresh. Um, and I like the sort of Foxtel for everyone uh, mantra that they're saying, because it did seem that maybe that had become as if it was too exclusive, too sort of high end. But I think that but that's not going to appeal to a lot of people. Yeah, new logo, great, but, but your average Joe isn't going to resubscribe because there's a new logo. It's all about the price and the content, you know. So they've really got to just focus on the price and its simplicity. And then it's all about the content, you know. Get the content out there. Just just push that so hard. 
Look, make no mistake, they have the best content, in my opinion. They have Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead, which are the two biggest American shows mm -hmm. in the world right now. Their Australian content is amazing. Wentworth, A Place to Call Home, The Kettering Incident, Nicole Kidman in Top of the Lake, The Picnic of Hanging Rock miniseries. I mean, their commitment to the, the Australian shows, Gogglebox, The Real Housewives, it's fantastic. But, you know, the entry point of $10 is a bit of a... It, it's smoke and mirrors because once you get there, you have to actually pay more to get what you want. And by the time you start chocking up all those, if you, if you like one of their reality shows and you like one of their dramas and maybe you want to watch a little bit of sport, you're still up there more or less paying what you'd pay for a satellite dish or a cable. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And the... And the thing they're up against, of course, is people comparing it to what you get for Netflix and Stan. Um, Netflix in particular has just got such a massive offer. I mean, there's stuff dropping onto that platform every week that I've never heard of because there's no way I can keep up with what they're doing. The stuff just keeps, they just keep pumping it out. It's incredible. And the announcements keep coming, the content keeps coming. There's a lot of good stuff there. But, you know, you've got to have the time and the sort of, I don't know, it's, you've, there's no real, doesn't seem to be, Netflix is lacking a bit of curation, I think, because there's so much good stuff there. I don't think everybody's finding out about it. I know one show comes and the next week there's another show and everyone stopped talking about the show that launched last week. <laughs> and I mean, and how cheeky are they, James? I mean, I advertise, I have Val Morgan advertising now in my little country cinema. Mm -hmm. And so every week at the... Uh, USB of the ads to play, and sure enough, they were advertising Low, their 1980s wrestling drama, and Orange is the New Black in cinemas. Now, look, that's fine. I get paid for that. But, like, that's really super cheeky because as a cinema owner, the, the one thing that is probably, you know, affecting my business is people sitting at home streaming. Yeah. But, you know, they've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of money to advertise in certain key markets. Um and uh, they've got a lot of money to make shows. And then you look at the fact that they cancelled Baz Luhrmann's show, The Get Down, and you've got the price tag per episode and just go, what? How does that business work? <laughs> I know, I know. It was, um, and one of them, they were asked, um, Netflix was asked, I think, last week, somebody relayed this to me about, you know, how do, what do they see as their competition? And Netflix just said, look, our competition is, is sleep, you know, because um, just <laughs> because with, there's so much there trying to keep the audience awake. I mean, and it's true. I mean, how many nights have you been up, you know, streaming stuff on Netflix and you, <laughs> you want to keep going, but you realise, you, you know, sleep catches up with you, doesn't it? Yeah, wow, wow. Mm -hmm. Look, listen, let's talk about a few things um, in the, the stay in Australia for the time being. Tell me about some of the stuff on your radar. Now, you, I saw you mention the other day uh, Hamish and Andy, or true story with Hamish and Andy. You called it the best thing they've ever done. Absolutely, and, and I kind of uh, hope that it would outrate the reality shows on 10 and 7, simply because, as you and I have discussed many times before, if you can actually offer a choice, uh, the audience might go there. And I believe that well-done comedy would outrate a reality show any day of the week. And thankfully, I was proved right, because the ratings for last week came through, and it was the number one uh, scripted show of the week, 1.2 million viewers. It did get more viewers 
than House Rules and uh, MasterChef on the night. And I just think it's a terrific piece of TV, a great original format, and well done to them. Uh, I wish them a lot of success. And I hope the audience comes back uh, for uh, the next episode, which uh, I'll be getting to watch uh, fairly soon after this. Yeah, I think as, as we record this, the second episode's about to screen, so we're not sure how that will perform. You would imagine the numbers will be a down a little bit week on week. Because often we see that I think the um, the Habibs had an incredible it did about similar numbers to what the our first true story did when it it screened I think was it last year or was it two years ago the Habibs yeah no last year last year yeah I mean then the numbers dropped significantly I don't think that will happen to True Story but it will be fascinating to see how those uh, initial weeks hold up and it's also a public holiday in Australia. Uh, Queen's birthday for episode two of Hamish and Andy's uh, true story. So that might have an effect on things. But let, let's see. Like, uh, But I just think that, you know, uh, comedy, Australian comedy will beat any reality show going. And then the lesson here is come up with some original concepts mm. and think comedy. And not just another panel show. Think of doing some incredible comedy and work hard at it, and uh, it could be uh, it could be very lucrative. Yeah, yeah, maybe some more development funds, and you know, a little spend a little bit more away from reality, and you you could come up yeah. with, with some sort of winner. Uh, just quickly, you mentioned yeah. panel shows. Geez, there are a lot of panel shows in the UK, Andrew. Oh man, <laughs> 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 nearly seven nights a week. There's there seems to be two or three. You know, there's just. There's just so many of them, and um, and I, I, I'm I'm loving them too. I must say, it's um, it's perfect sort of late night TV for me. You know, it um, it's it's a really nice way to, to cap off the um, to cap off the day. But gee whiz, there's so many of them here. But look, I'll I'll get back. To, go on, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yeah, look, uh, wanted now. You've wanted has started. Um, it was a it was a probably the biggest drama of uh, of 2016, I think. Um, it's been back. It started well. The numbers were down, I think, a little bit year on year. Um, but it's still quite an audience there for it. James, why, though, <laughs> would you open with a two-hour premiere, mm. which is basically two episodes? Mm. Why would you do that and start it at 9 o'clock at night? It's a Monday night, for God's sake. And that show, um, you know, I just think two hours cruels it. I think, you know, it's, the show is made to be one-hour episodes. I just, I find the concept of Wanted just all a little bit hard to believe. And so I have credibility issues with it. But nevertheless, I, I do find myself getting sucked into some of it and, and find some of it quite edge on edge of your seat stuff, but I really think that watching two hours together makes you go, oh, God, this really is far-fetched, and, and I just don't, they, you know, I just don't think people are sitting up at 11 o'clock at night to watch two hours of a new Aussie drama, God. No, look, they're not, um, and I've, we've talked about this two-hour thing before, immediately, if you only watch the first episode, you've, you've missed it, the second episode. So unless you catch it yep. up during the week, when it gets to the second week, which is episode three, you're going, oh, well, I can't watch it because I've missed episode two. And then you can get out of the habit really quickly. Whenever I talk to network programs about why they do those two episodes, 
they just say to me, look, it's about share, getting share for that night. Look, I understand that, but if you, that hurts you long term, though, doesn't it? You get that short, short bang that night, yep, and you might win that night, but I think it has a, uh, a negative impact a long term for that program. Australian drama is expensive to make, and to burn off two hours of an of uh, uh, two episodes of a show, particularly starting at nine o'clock at night, that just feels like they almost want it to fail so that they can replace it next year with something cheaper, like a panel show. <laughs> that um, now, look, we had Rebecca Gibney came in a couple of weeks ago, and I'll give another quick little plug to that uh, podcast we did with her. I should have asked her this question, but I didn't think of it at the time. But look, I'm, I'm not quite sure of her with that cap on all the time, and she seems to be wearing it in every scene in that series, running around with that sort of baseball cap on. Well, episode three tonight is uh, the promo suggested it's filmed in New Zealand and they seem to be uh, on a train near Dunedin and look, I mean, it's going to look spectacular. Yeah. Um, but the, the synopsis in TV Week for episode four next week is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it, it actually says, um, with no money, no passports and no gun, the girls pull off a brazen robbery at a Queenstown bong shop. <laughs> and yes, I said bong, B-O-N-G. Yeah. yeah, you're right about that New Zealand scenery, though. They um, put together a, a quite a really good little uh, trailer for the series, and some of those shots of New Zealand looked pretty spectacular. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yeah. Look, um, David Stratton has been um, looking into the history of, of Australian movies and there's probably nobody better place to do that. Um, I sadly haven't yet been able to watch that, but uh, how good is it, Andrew? Oh, it, it's amazing, James. If you love Australian cinema, you just uh, you, you just can't move. Mm. It's so enthralling and so beautifully curated. And I mean, some people have, have taken um, exception with the way he's kind of... Uh, he kicks off with Strictly Ballroom and you go, what's going on? But I think that's them clearly saying this is not going to be a chronological mm. history of Australian cinema. They kind of group, uh, they do the three episodes and they have a different theme for each episode, but it's just so beautifully made and and so interesting. And, yeah, I uh, that'll be a show that I will just watch over and over again. It's fantastic. Yes, yeah. Um, and I think it's a three-parter, isn't it? There's um, three parts to that. Yeah, and I've watched the first two parts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll wait and watch the, the third part on uh, High Def when it airs because I basically want to watch the whole thing. I watched it on uh, ABC Media Preview site, but I really mm. want to watch the whole thing. Yeah, and he's got access to virtually everybody, hasn't he? He speaks to the actors, the writers, the directors. There's, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a must-see. Um, international Student has started recently. Uh, Ronnie Chang, one of the comedies from the um, ABC's, they had what, uh, the was a comedy competition, I forget the official name of it. but they, Comedy Showroom. Comedy show, and I think they commissioned was it six um, six Indeed. sitcoms, uh, ran them in six successive weeks. I think was there a public vote as part of this as well? Look, I think they were looking at the. Was I think it just they said at the time at social media, okay. uh, things like that. Yep, yep. Um, 
I this was for me was probably the the, the standout one. I think international student. Um, not many of the others sort of really engaged me that much. Look, I, I uh, you said I remember you saying that at the time, and I really didn't think of the best one there. I really mm. liked the one of the mothers group that Noni Hazelhurst was running. I thought the, the characters in that had a lot of potential. But mm. I've got to take my hat off to. Ronnie Cheng, international student. When I watched the first episode of the series last week, I enjoyed it a lot more than the pilot. And they've brought in a few new characters and they've slightly retooled it. And I thought it was pretty damn funny. And, uh, yeah, well done, the ABC, for going ahead with it. Yes, yes. Now, Andrew, you're uh, definitely our home-and-away correspondent. Um, you keep up with the soaps. Um, you watch a lot of home-and-away. What is happening? They've got a new promo airing on Channel 7 now. There's a new family arriving in the bay. Their surname, Astoni, A-S-T-O-N-I, which suggests to me they're European because that's about as multicultural as Home and Away <laughs> ever gets. Um, the fam- there'll be a mother and a father and two daughters. Uh, News Limited reported it's the first nuclear family to arrive in Summer Bay in 17 years. And <laughs> I'm, that, that seems incredible to me that they have to you know. Has it really been that long since a mother, a father and their kids arrived? Or whatever. Um, but yes, of course, the two daughters, one of them uh, has stolen a car and the other one's just got suspended from school. So mm-hmm. they, of course, decide to relocate in Summer Bay, which, of course, is internationally renowned as a place where we <laughs> rehabilitate delinquent children. Um, so, yeah, another white family arriving in Summer Bay to enjoy the beach, uh, and there we go. Yeah, look, no hot guy in the family, I notice. No hot guy, but, uh, of course, uh, there'll be romantic entanglements with the uh, young girls. Yes. Uh, because I can tell you right now, there's no way either of those young girls will be lesbian. <laughs> And there'll be lots of skeletons, I'm guessing, in um, in the parents' past, uh, probably particularly the father, I'm guessing. More than likely, because I've said this before and I'll say it again, Home and Away would be one of the only soaps left in the Western world that does not feature a gay character or gay characters. They refuse to go there in a PG-rated time slot, even though Neighbours in a G-rated time slot has got all of these gay characters now in every British soap and every American daytime soap. Every soap in the world has interwoven gay characters into their show, except for Home and Away. Yes, yes. Oh, well. Um... Now, um, some changes or some stuff happening now. Seven's big reality programs, uh, My Kitchen Rules and House Rules, both been doing very well for them this year. Now, f- let's look at both of these. Now, first up, you've teased me about there might be some format changes coming to MKR. There's a suggestion today in the Australian, and it's come from seven executives, that they're toying with the idea of taking My Kitchen Rules and putting all the participants under one roof. This, of course, is in response to the rating threat they were under with Married at First Sight uh, at the start of this year. So, yeah, there's talk that they'll um, uh, now put all the aspiring cooks uh, under one roof. So it sounds like it's uh, Big Brother with a bigger kitchen now. 
Yeah, gee, that's to me that's got trouble written all over it when you start messing with what with what has been a very successful formula. Um, I'm just wondering they might have to start that maybe halfway through when they go to Kitchen HQ because in those initial weeks they're travelling all around Australia and going to each person's supposed home kitchen but um so there's never really any opportunity for them all to be living under the one roof no yeah i I agree with you that's probably where they'll do it um and uh i'm only watching if they put manu and eat into the house as well (laughs) and uh, there's no paleo food in that house and we, we we see how pete evans goes uh eating what the rest of the seat? Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the show? <laughs> and um, house rules. Look, gee, that's virtually the hottest show on TV at the moment, which is um, which is pretty amazing for a show. I think it's in its sixth season. It's certainly been going for a while. Um, um, what's happening there? Well, who knew um, that new British judge they've got with the hyphenated yes. surname? I can't remember the name, but he's obviously been a huge hit. And he has connected, and they got a little bit of they've got drama from their contestants. They had contestants walking out. It's made for some great promos, and and the promo right now, James, that you're missing out is all about how Cyclone Debbie is going to smash into the Gold Coast and you know really mess around uh, one of the couple's houses, and uh, you know the, the the promo showing you know massive storm clouds and tarpaul and flapping in the wind and then of course TV Week comes out today and you start reading it and uh, Daniela actually says and I quote a couple of guys even fall over and hit their heads and the tradies tools were getting completely ruined yes so that's the extent of Cyclone Debbie's damage in house rules but well done for Seven for uh, ramping up uh, the drama in the promo. Yeah, look, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen is the name of the um, the UK. They, they, don't, they don't call them judges. I think they're just the experts that, that go in and uh, uh, check out and vote on the properties. Yeah, look, I've, I've, I've loved his work on um, on UK TV for, for a long time on the shows that... Uh, Get show up in Australia. I think he was um long time on Changing Rooms on the UK version of Changing Rooms. He's had a lot of his own spin-offs, but I I really like his sort of sort of flamboyant character. Isn't he really sort of projects that English upper class uh, sort of persona? And I, I, it seems to have added a new element to that show that's definitely resonated with the viewers. It would appear so. I mean, when the first episode aired, it was it came last in the time slot, and, and now they're winning. I mean, it's been quite bizarre, isn't it? It's been all over the shop. The voice has been up, and then House Rules has gotten up. The one show I think that has not actually won that time slot yet is MasterChef. Yes, look, it's it's been having a pretty good year in the sort of the key demos, which which is the real the, the main attraction for Tans advertisers, of course. But yeah, look, it it hasn't won a lot of uh, all people nights. It does better on nights, I think, competitively. It does better on maybe Thursdays when the uh, other channels don't run reality. But the numbers have been yep. sort of staying up there, and I would expect them to uh, climb as we get towards that top twelve when the sort of it starts to get really serious. Because certainly some good uh, cooks on the program this year, but uh, when it gets toward the pointy end, I think we'll see those numbers climb a little bit. So tell me, what else, yeah, is yeah. there any, anything else on your list for um, domestically that uh, we should be talking about? 
Well, just that Craig McLaughlin has hinted that uh, somebody is going to make more episodes of the Dr. Blake murder mysteries. We know that the ABC cancelled it. Um, it had everyone scratching their heads. This is a show that once got a million viewers on a Friday night. Um, hugely popular. And yet they've decided they're not making any more episodes. But Craig McLaughlin, who... Uh, couldn't keep a secret if you paid him a million dollars, has said, uh, watch this space, it's coming back. So uh, indeed, we will wait to find out uh, what happens next. Yes, yeah, look, I'm not sure how the economics would stack up, but I can see this working as a sort of uh, series of tally movies, if you like, which might sort of appeal and it could have good international appeal too because Craig certainly got a profile internationally to help sales and, of course, the track record of the series wouldn't hurt that. So maybe it, it, it could possibly have life like that. Well, they screen it over where you are, James, yeah. on BBC Daytime. And, uh, look, you know, murder mystery shows like that work all over the world. And we know that Miss Fisher's murder mystery is being made into feature films now yeah. to cope with Ed Davis, who's, who's very big internationally. And, and there's no reason at all why they couldn't do something similar with Craig McLaughlin and Dr Blake. Sure. Look, a couple of things I wanted to ask you about, Andrew. Have you seen any of the new House of Cards yet? No, I've never been a House of Cards oh, okay. watcher. I should know that. Yeah, it's me. like I've, I've never watched. I've never wanted to watch American dramas about American politics. And, okay. Uh, so I never watched The West Wing, and I've never watched House of Cards. But uh, you know, I'm you know one of the movies I'm screening in the cinema at the moment is Wonder Woman. And Robin Wright is in that. And, of course, if I was going to watch House of Cards, I'd basically watch it for her. I think she's an incredible actress. Yes, yeah, yeah. Look, um, I've... Uh been a loyal House of Cards uh, viewer, and I say that I haven't got into the new series yet. I've had a bit of a quick preview of uh, episode one. If I had my way, I would have um, sort of binged on all of them now, but I just haven't had the time lately. But uh, look, it looks pretty good. I'm very happy that Doug, uh, Michael Kelly, and uh, uh, Leanne Nev Campbell are both back. I think they're they're serious attractions and often get overlooked because um, all the focus, of course, is on Robin Wright and Kevin Spacey. I guess as it should be. Yeah, Claire and Frank Underwood. But there's some great uh, other cast members that really help carry that series. And look, I just love it. Uh, there's been some criticism. Some seasons are better than others. You know me, Andrew. When I invest in a program, I, I'm there through the thick and the thin, and I have I have trouble. Yeah. I have trouble differentiating between you. What was a good season? What was a bad season? I'm there all the way yeah, through. Yeah. So um, the other thing that's coming up, I've, I've got to I've got to see the first uh, episode of The Handmaid's Tale with uh, oh wow with Elizabeth nice. Moss. Now I believe that's coming to SBS uh, reasonably soon. Yeah, is it July? That I read, um, but I'm really hanging out to see that. Yeah, look, it's it's. it's pretty special it's really so well done look I've, I've got to be careful not to do any spoilers I'm, I'm a shocking working at how to um talk about a tv show without giving too many spoilers away but Elizabeth Moss is fantastic um it's sort of in there's been a fair bit here in the UK media about sort of the role she's played um and you know and how this one is sort of almost continues a theme that's um, evident in a lot of her work. But this one's sort of quite dark. It's um, it's a bit of sort of a fantasy, if you like. It's based on a Margaret uh, Atwood novel. 
Uh, yep. I won't give too much away about it, but it's it's a real mix of different things, but it, it works really well. Look, it's not terribly cheery. I could say that. It's not, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh-huh. as, as some of the best TV is want to be like that, though, you know. Um, but this is, yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating. So the other thing I wanted to mention to you was um, Bill Maher. We've talked a little bit about him in the past and how it's one of the, yeah. it's one of the HBO shows that doesn't get a screening on Foxtel in Australia. Yeah. Um, he's caused a lot of trouble, used the N-word on his program, I think the Friday before last, caused a huge storm last week, and there was a lot of interest in, um, you know, what would happen, would he get sacked, would he continue, would he resign? But he has continued. He sort of talked about it. He's had one episode since then. Uh, it's shown on, um, I think it's shown on Sky Atlantic here in the UK, who has the um, yep. who has the deal with Foxtel, much the, who has the deal with HBO, much the same as Foxtel does in Australia. So I think that's something really missing from that Foxtel offer. I think they really should put Bill Maher on air, and if they ever needed a good reason to do that, I think they've got it now. There's a lot of interest in in him and what he does. Um, so it's just it was just really interesting to watch that um, that whole saga unfold, if you like. Well, they used to air him. This was the thing, but they they never aired him in real time. And mm. he's a very talks about very current issues. And it should be a show that should be screening Express from the US. And I would sign up and watch that, you know, without question. Yeah, yeah, you can, of course, uh, podcast those episodes. I think HPA put it up as a podcast free for anybody. And it's sort of, it works. It's sort of a show you don't have to watch it. It works very well as a podcast. So if uh, yeah. so people who are missing that, you can uh, check it out that way. Look, um, should I run through some of the stuff I've been um, catching up oh, with? Oh, please. Okay. Yes. Now, look, something else, something that I've seen that you would be interested, Andrew, was the British Soap Awards. Oh, yes. <laughs> I watched them, James. I watched them from beginning to end. Oh, did you? Okay. I, what did you think of it? Well, I was surprised. I actually quite liked it, you know, and I've, I've, I've watched a little bit of... Um, of Coronation Street since I've been here too, and, and I'm, I'm sort of starting to realise that how people could get addicted to some of these shows because they're actually pretty good. Yeah, Coronation Street's on a bit of a you know going through a really good patch at the moment. As is Emma Dallin. EastEnders is in a real funk. They <laughs> left the British Soap Awards with basically no awards. Um, but I mean that's what happens with all soaps. They go through you know highs and lows, and uh, yeah, but. Coronation Street, I think, uh, in conjunction with The X Factor, when The X Factor were doing their grand final and broadcasting uh, every night of the week their finals, Mm. Coronation Street know that's coming and they Mm. plan this giant six-night week of major events. Every night there's a major thing and you've probably uh, come in at the beginning or the tail end of that and that, that, you know, that's one of their big, big weeks of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, there were some pretty dramatic episodes, uh, which was what last week, um, as, as we record this. Yeah, as you said, Emma Dale was the big winner at those British Soap Awards. And won, I think it won Best Soap. It also had the Best Actor and the Best Actress. So it took the three major awards. I think it won six in all. Coronation Street, yeah. Coronation Street didn't win one of those three majors, but they got four significant awards. Uh, but as you and say, you- it's gone. Yeah, I was just going to say, you, you, you will know from watching the British Soap Awards, these clips where, you know, Emmerdale won uh, a lot of their awards, 
Best Actor and Best Actress for uh, what has been a very long and very moving storyline of the uh, the country village vicar getting dementia and his sort of uh, downfall into it. And uh, both him and the actress who plays his wife, they both won. And the other thing you would have noticed in those clips is this scene where, you know, uh, another actress in Emmerdale took off her top to reveal that she had a double mastectomy and there mm. was the scarring there. Yeah. So, you know, those English soaps really get into some heavy issues, but they, they do them with really well-loved characters and they write it in such a way that it, it's absolutely heartbreaking and makes for some of uh, the best drama that you'll see on TV and those sorts of shows all year. Yeah, and it's, a, and it's, I'm not sure how they do it, but there's a real blend, isn't there? A sort of classic, almost vaudeville, really classic soap, but mixed in with sort of, you know, really topical, challenging subject matters. And, and often a lot of humour too. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of the great things about Coronation Street is they always make sure that there's some laughs uh, in every episode. And this is where EastEnders lacks for me. EastEnders is so depressing in... Uh, <laughs> And they don't keep that, that comic material up there, whereas Corey makes sure it's there and Emmerdale makes sure it's there and Hollyoaks goes in that direction. And it, it goes a long way with giving, uh, having to teach a viewer something, putting some drama up in front of them, but giving them a couple of laughs every night as well. Yes, yeah. Now, you mentioned um, Coronation Street had that big week. They, um, it was the final week of Britain's Got Talent. So there was six episodes that actually went to air one night after the other. And the um, and I think uh, BGT does a 90-minute a uh, program. Then they show Coronation Street. Then they come back for the results episode of Britain's Got Talent. So they really lock those wow. They really lock those viewers in, and yes, yeah, six yeah. successive nights. It's just amazing that, um, and it was really interesting watching the judges. I haven't haven't um, watched a lot of Simon Cowell for quite a while, but it was good seeing him in action. Uh, David Wellams as the um, the other male judge on that uh, panel, and of course, Nine is showing these pretty much. Um, well, not quite day and date, but they're not far behind. Um, and the other girl judges, of course, Amanda Holden and Alicia Dixon. So it was um, yeah. a pretty interesting weekend. I saw, I saw Amanda Holden in a very sort of revealing dress. <laughs> I don't know for the grand final, but my God, it was down to the navel and how those boobs were staying in is quite beyond me. <laughs> Yeah, look, it was very saucy, and as yeah, as you can imagine, it was um, front page stuff over here in um, newspapers that track that sort of stuff, and uh, and also uh, online, it was just everywhere, and that that's sort of what you wanted. Uh, it kept the show up on the radar, that's for sure. Because they have this strange thing in the UK where they talk about the watershed, and the watershed is nine pm, mm. so anything pre watershed, oh, you can't have. Cleavage on a pre-watershed show It's so outrageous And of course the tabloids They just think that's the hub Don't they, Jane? They just repeat the But mind you You can put it on the front page Of the newspaper And put it on every shop display But oh no Mustn't show it to the kiddies Before 9pm Yeah, I know It's amazing The feminine double standards Going on there uh, Listen, one other show Before I get into Some of the dramas I've seen That um, James Corden's been um, he's, He does the Late Late Show I think for CBS In the US sort of a a British star who sort of came to global fame almost, if you like, when he got this job in the hosting a talk show in the US. He's been back in the UK to do a week's worth of programs. 
um, shown on Sky Atlantic over here. He got some massive guests. I think his first show, he had Nicole Kidman. He had Kit Harrington. Um, Ed Sheeran and uh, Sir Ben Kingsley all turned up on that program. Look, I, wow. I, I, I still don't quite get the James Corden thing, though, to be honest. Um, he's very, he's, he's an unlikely sort of um, late-night TV uh, star, if you like, and I think it surprised a lot of people in the UK that he sort of went over there and got this sort of, well, it's not really prime time, is it? Cause it goes to air in the US at 12.30pm, at 12.30am, Every night, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he also had uh, Tom Cruise on there flogging the mummy, which is really flogging a dead horse. That is flopped. <laughs> I think David Beckham would have been there as well somewhere. Yeah, David Beckham, you could guarantee you all shows up. Emily Blunt was there. Gordon Ramsay was there a little bit later in the week. Look, I only watched one of the episodes. I watched that first one. Look, it was okay, but I mean, Nicole Kidman and Kit Harrington were on together, and it was it was quite fun. But you, you never you didn't get any information out of it. There was very little. They got to do very little. It was more about James Corden. That whole show seemed to be more about him than the guests, which all. Always put, puts me off a little bit. Um, Ed Sheeran did that carpool karaoke, and I'm sorry, just this carpool karaoke. I just don't quite get what the attraction is there. It just doesn't appeal to me at all. I don't know. What about you? Yeah. Well, look, it's, it's, I must admit, I did watch that carpool karaoke special, but ten put to air one mm. Friday night after, after Graham Norton show. Yeah. And but I mean, you watch it really because of the incredible talent that he gets to mm. do it, right? Mm. You know, he's driving around with Adele and then Jennifer Lopez and then Britney Spears and then Mariah Carey. I mean, th that only works because of the megastar talent that he gets in the cars with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that whole... But again, on big games, you can see that he fancies himself as a bit of a singer too. And yes, he's having fun, but yeah, that, even Carpool Karaoke is about James Corden singing along as well, right? Yeah, it's right, because you know the star can sing their own song, so the whole premise of it is or how can james gordon sing along with the celebrity you know which i think yeah, well i don't really care look the one segment on the show that did quite work i found was crosswork the musical which i gather is a regular feature where they run on at a pedestrian crossing when the light changes red and the walk sign comes up and perform a little yeah. musical for the people sitting in their cars <laughs> and then they have to yeah, do I'll the number that. And, and get off again before the light changes to green and the cars move on. I thought that was really quite clever, and that was quite funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really into the musical theatre, isn't he, James? I mean, when you, when you think about him, that, you know, we knew him here in Australia as the guy from Gavin and Stacey, and he played a bit of a loser. Yes, it's a, it was a real step up for him getting that job in, on US TV. Yes, yeah, look, absolutely, absolutely. The... Um Let's um, talk a little bit about some of the dramas I've seen. There's, um, gee whiz, there's so much uh, good uh, drama on over here, Andrew. Every night there's just amazing stuff to watch, some of it clashing. For example, um, as I talked to you last night, Poldark uh, Season 3 started here. It was up against something called The Lock on ITV. I wanted to watch both of them, so I'll have to catch up on The on the Lock um, a little bit later. But um, I've always been a yep. Poldark fan. I, um, I love the show. I I buy into the whole thing, um, uh, and it's it's almost a bit of a soapy too, if you like, isn't it? It's um, there's nothing terribly deep about it, but I I just really enjoy it. People who've been into seasons two or three are going to love season three. Everybody's back: George, Elizabeth, um, Captain Poldark, of course. Um, and and I, go on. 
I note that uh, this time, having not done it in Series 2 after his very memorable shirts-off appearance in Season 1, I notice the BBC promo does feature him bathing in a stream with the shirt off again for Season 3 because, hey, that's how that show got a lot of attention when he was cutting the grass with that giant scythe. It was like, whoa. Yeah, look, and he's got some competition in the eye candy stakes this uh, season too. I think somebody else gets their shirt off. There's quite a few new, <laughs> there's quite a few new cast members are uh, coming along. Look, the, the again, I've got to be careful with spoilers here, but look, in the first episode, yeah. there's a uh, there's a birth, there's a death, uh, there's a black moon, which is very spooky. Uh, there's a wedding, so there's gee whiz, lots happening early on in that season. So look, you want. And when you say the lot, too, you mean. L-O-C-H, as in Loch Ness, you don't mean L-O-C-K, Yeah, right? correct, sorry, yes, L-O-C-H. Um, it's a, a, a drama starring, um, a, what's her name, Siobhan Finneran, who was, um, I think I last saw her in Happy Valley. She played, uh, oh, yeah. she played Sarah Lancaster's sister in the show. Um, yes, love her, love her. She was in Benadorm. Yes, and she was also in Downton Abbey, I think. Yep, yep. So, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. great actors, so many great actors here. She's co-starring that with uh, Laura Fraser, who was um, a, um, a military officer in the second season of The Missing. So there's, um, there's, there's lots to see there, so I'll certainly be catching up with that one. Uh, Broken is the new Jimmy McGovern series, and gee whiz, is, is this a good show? Wow. Um, Sean Bean plays Father Michael Kerrigan. He was also perhaps best known as Ned Stark in Game of Thrones, um, co-starring with Anna Friel, and it's just brilliant. This is probably one of Jimmy McGovern's uh, best best uh, things he's done I would think um, Sean Bean is such such a likeable guy as a brilliant sort of um, Catholic priest there's no sort of, they don't say where it is but you sort of get the feeling it's in Liverpool which is um, Jimmy McGovern's home turf um, absolutely yeah yeah so look that's one I think you know I'm not sure what the Australian plans are but I would be guessing perhaps um, BBC first hopefully uh, not too far in the uh, the future. So look out for that one. Paul is another thing, which is just um, just finished screening on BBC Two here. Uh, it's a three-part series. Denise Goff plays a, a school teacher. One of the reviews I see, saw, they called it epic bleakness. <laughs> so the That's only the yeah, so again, this isn't a really cheery, you know, <laughs> laugh out loud or anything. This is some, but there's some amazing, there's some great acting. The premise of this is um, Denise Goff plays a school teacher. She has a one night stand, I think, with a tradie, and it just all goes horribly wrong after that. So that's um, that's something to really um, write down and, and look out for. Uh, I mentioned The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, I got into that. That That's really good. Um, Really good, um, as you're coming up soon on SBS. Watch out for that, Elizabeth Moss is is fantastic. Um, what else have I been seeing? They're they're probably the the key dramas I've seen, but there's just there's just so much on offer here. It's um, I don't know if it's the time of year where some of the, sh- the shows of um, the the old series have have ended and the new ones are starting. But because all the dramas now is three, four, six, eight. If you're lucky, 10 or 12, it's relatively short run. So it means there's lots of new stuff uh, ticking over all the time. Well, it's actually the UK summer, and that's sometimes a bit of a dead zone for them. So I'm actually astounded. It sounds to me like 
they've really stepped up their game because, uh, you know, it's, I want to know, James, James, if you've seen any of Big Brother because I read the most hilarious description of the UK's Big Brother, which apparently has an English country village theme. <laughs> and the, the tagline for it said, at a time of political upheaval and tough questions about unity in the UK, Big Brother brings you an alternative look at Britain. Stand by for a very British summer of more fireworks than you could imagine. I'm like, whoa, that sounds like an oxymoron to me. Yeah, no, look, um, I, I haven't uh, made it to Big Brother yet. It's screened on Channel 5 here, and that it really is a bit of a fringe channel here, I must say, Channel 5. It, it doesn't feature a lot in the sort of uh, TV guides or in the sort of... Uh, you know, the mainstream, the, the critics and everything don't focus on a lot of um, C5 content. It's, of course, C5 is also where you get um, uh, Home and Away and Neighbours every afternoon uh, yep. back to back. And I think they show Wentworth over here. But I think Wentworth's actually been um, punted to a C5, I think it might be called C5 Star or one of the offshoots. And, and that's happening because they won't screen it uh, day and date as Australia. So those obsessed, you know, prisoner now Wentworth fans mm. won't wait. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't understand why, like, with Fremantle are able to screen neighbours same day and date in the UK and Australia, why they wouldn't do that with Wentworth as well, which is called Wentworth Prison over there. Right, okay. And one of my um, Wentworth uh, correspondents over here tells me too, and if you want to watch it in HD, you have to watch it on catch-up because when it's broadcast, it's actually not in HD. So you have to wait till it goes wow. on to catch-up and, and then um, screen it that way. So there's a few little hurdles there for people to get. Yeah, look, Big Brother screens here. At, I think it was on 9 o'clock on Sunday night. Um, but again, it's, it's getting really little little attention in the media. Maybe some of the tabloids are giving it a little bit more play, but I sort of haven't haven't got across the tabloids much since I've been here. But uh, on weeknights, it's on at 10 p.m. on Channel Five. But um, but look, I might make an effort for you, Andrew, and uh, have a bit of a, have a bit of a watch. I just want to know if it's the English country village thing, you know, it's like what they say, I bet you it's just full with exactly, exactly the type of Big Brother contestants you would expect. I bet you it's just the same old, same old. Yeah, yeah, look, you, you, you're probably right. You're probably right. I can't promise to watch too much, though. I find that stuff really hard going. But, um... <laughs> five minutes will give you a, enough of a rundown. You'll figure it out in five minutes, trust me. Yes, okay, okay. Look, that... Um, probably uh, brings us towards the end here. Is there um, any sort of viewing this week you've got sort of noted in your guide you're going to try and keep across? Uh, yes, yeah, I'm going to uh, Monday night's always a big night. I always like to watch, you know, Four Corners Media Watch Q&A. But it's also really hard because I know there's a new episode of Twin Peaks that's just uh, landed. Um, and I only got work. I, I had a, It was a long weekend it rained non-stop uh, here in Southwest Fox, James, mm -hmm. and I had uh, I had huge crowds. I did a and a session after Viceroy's house with an absolutely packed house. I did a double bill, two movies for the price of one. That was huge, and yeah, I barely kept up all weekend. So yeah, I, I finished work after yeah. a huge weekend. I'm <laughs> two weeks off, so the hall can. Uh, uh, do a fundraiser, mm -hmm. um, 
But, uh, yeah, or, you know, all I'm thinking about tonight is uh, I'll get my ABC shows out of the way. I want to see a bit of Hamish and Andy, and then I'll settle down and uh, watch episode six of Twin Peaks. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, tell me quickly, the uh, what, what happens in your Q&A after a screening? Well, the movie was Viceroy's House, starring Hugh Bonneville and Gillian Anderson, and it's, it's all about uh, Lord Mountbatten and his what was seen like a beautiful wife uh, going to India in 1947 and uh, splitting it up into India and Pakistan with, you know, a little bit of subterfuge, of course, from the empire about protecting their interests. And it's the most incredible film and it's so moving. And uh, I, uh, you know, asked people to stay behind so that we could discuss the film. And it really, really... uh, uh, responded with uh, sort of core audience here and everybody stayed behind. And I had two people in the audience that were Anglo-Indian, both mm-hmm. of whom were able to tell stories of their families uh, having to, you know, be refugees because it's the biggest ever migration of refugees when they split the country. Uh, you know, the Hindus all had to flee and uh, one country became Hindu, one became Muslim and, of course, uh, it created this huge migration and, you know, millions of people had to move. So to hear these people tell the stories of their families and to have other people in the room, it was absolutely fascinating and it gives me a real clear direction in the future of where to go. I've got an audience that really sort of wants to uh, watch serious films and talk about them afterwards. Really, really encouraging. Well, that's great news and I tell you, the people that, but, but, uh, who go to the Southwex, Roxy, are very lucky, Andrew, that you've uh, taken over there by the sound of it. Yeah, yeah, we've had a great weekend. It's been lots of fun. Yeah, look, a couple of quick things from me. There's a new ITV drama, Fearless, which starts tomorrow night, which is also uh, sounds like it'll be one worth checking out. And I should say I've been watching a bit of Versailles, the second season. And geez, oh, wow. That, that's incredible. It's, um, I think when it was on SBS, I think they showed it as relatively late night in double episodes. Isn't that right? Is my yeah. memory correct? Oh, well, they're certainly repeating it now late night, Series 1. They might be getting ready for Series 2, but I remember I watched a lot of it and I kind of fell off before it ended um, because, yeah, again, don't ever screen two episodes of that sort of show on a night. It's too much. Um, but, yeah, I just remember thinking, wow, it just looks so sumptuous. Yeah, no, they've, they've certainly kept up the quality on the... Um the, the second season, there's just some amazing, you know, sort of, you, you just, you, your jaw just keeps hitting the floor on some of the, the stuff that happens. And it, it's incredibly, there's a sort of the, the mystery um, about Louis the Fourteenth. you know, continues. Um, and there's George uh, Blagden that plays uh, Louis the Fourteenth. Um, he's just an amazing actor. I used to love him on Vikings, and he just does such a, a, a good job on this, and it's just um, really fascinating TV. Yeah, wow. Can't wait. Yeah. All righty, look, we might uh, wrap it up there. Great uh, talking to you, Andrew. Now, you've, um, you rely very much on holidays up there for your trade. You've got a bit of a break now, have you, till the next school holidays? Uh, yeah, we've, I've got a two-week break, so I've, I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to not doing anything for a couple of days because thank you for on for the last few months. Yeah, um, and yeah. then I'll, uh, I'll reopen just in time for New South Wales school holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'll slip down to Sydney and uh, pick up some stuff that I've got stored in someone's garage, the last of my uh, 
belongings, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to a bit of a break. Fantastic. Well, it's always great to uh, speak with you, Andrew Mercado. You can hear Andrew Mercado on our um, roughly fortnightly TV podcasts, and you can also read his sort of viewing guide. We put it up every Friday at mediaweek.com.au. Uh, Andrew, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, James. Please travel safe.